Welcome to the Heart of a Man podcast. We're a movement of men in central Indiana pursuing meaningful friendships, faith, and character. If you'd like to learn more about us, the facility we're building designed for the energizing and growth of men, or would like to financially partner with us in our mission to rebuild the American family one man at a time, please visit us at heartofaman.org. So guys, I, uh, I moved to be a CEO about four years ago. Uh, I hired a president about five year, years ago uh, and put, put this guy in place as our, as our president and turned over all the day-to-day operation of our company to a president. And my first year as CEO, I was absolutely lost. I mean, I, I'm telling you, it was miserable for me because I didn't know what a CEO should do. I had read all the books, I'd been to class, and all of a sudden you're in the role and it doesn't look the way it is in the books, right? And you're like, what am I supposed to be doing? Because I had basically built this company from two people up and you know, really done all the work and everyday work was all in my lap. And so I was used to that role and I knew that role well. And all of a sudden I'm not in that role. And I was lost, I mean, just lost. I felt just emotionally disturbed. Like I was depressed, discouraged, upset angry, uh, just lost. I couldn't find my purpose. It felt terrible. And I started talking to more retired guys and said, what do you guys do at this stage? They're like, we retire at your age, Bill. We don't keep working. And I'm like, well, well, then then what do you do? And guys were like, well, you fish and you golf and you play with the grandkids. And I was like, okay, well, I mean, that sounds good. How do you feel about yourself then? They're like, what's it feel like? And guys were like, well, actually, you still feel kind of lost. I'm like, so why do you do that then? Like, well, because I don't really know, have another purpose. So I started to realize, man, a lot of us guys that are at that retirement age are walking around feeling purposeless. And then I started talking to lots of other guys and finding out that this was actually a common thing. Young guys, old guys, men in general were working in their jobs, grinding away, and they just felt purposeless, lost, not sure what they were doing, not sure why they were doing what they're doing, waking up in the morning going, Am I wasting my life right now? What am I doing with myself? This is a common feeling, you guys. How about you? Do you feel lost at times and unclear what you should be doing with your life? Well, if you do, welcome to the team, man. We've got people that work at our company and uh, a fair amount of uh, folks that have been in the criminal justice system. Um, And when you get to know some of these folks, they're good people. But you ask them, what happened? How did you derail? What, how did you end up there? And I can't tell you how many of these folks would say, I didn't have a purpose, man. I just felt useless. I didn't have a clue who I was. I had no idea where I was going. I was just lost. And you're like, now that makes sense. That explains why there's so many men in the criminal justice system. And then you watch TV and you see all of these killings with guns. And you say, who's behind the trigger? You know who it is? Men. Almost always. You never see a girl on the other end of that trigger, do you? Men. Because we're lost. We can't figure out our purpose. I read this. It said, ignorance of our purpose often makes us destructive. And the only way you can figure out what your purpose is is you got to know your creator. Don't you? You got to know what the creator had intended to understand what your purpose is. Why did you make me, God? You got to know. I've I've had this happen to me a number of times. I'll walk around our plants 
I've got a chemical engineer here. I've designed many of the processes and the unit operations in our plants. We have these food manufacturing plants. We make food ingredients. They go into to, to processed foods. Some of the lines are very sophisticated. So I've been involved in a lot of engineering, the design. And so you'll go out and you'll stand there and watch the line run and you'll be seeing the operators. And you're like, these people don't have a clue how this piece of equipment works. They don't, they're making the product wrong, they're running the machine wrong, they're breaking it, they're damn, you're, and you're just like, what is going on? And so you go up to the operator and say, you know, um, do, you, do you have any idea how this piece of equipment works? Well, absolutely. They start telling you, you're like, um, would you mind if I correct you? I, I actually designed this piece of equipment and this process. I, I did it. it. It was from my head, and I worked on this for a while and built this so it would do this, not that. And they'll start arguing with you. I mean, literally. Oh, I totally disagree with you. That's not what it's supposed to do. That's not how it's built. And you're like, Ser seriously, right? Like, you're kidding me, right? I mean, it's literally what happens. And you're just like, I can't believe this. You know, guys, that's what it feels like to God when you say, I got it. I know what I'm doing. What do you mean? And I heard from my friend, I read in a book, I watched on TV, I picked up from my mom, I know my purpose, and God's going, wow. Well, that wasn't even close to what I had in mind, but we'll let you run with that for a while and see where that goes. So guys, if we wanna know our purpose, we've got to ask God, don't we? We've gotta ask him, what did he have in mind? In Psalm 139, Dave wrote the, David wrote these words, for you were created, you were created. My inmost being, you were knit together in my mother's womb. That's where it came from. I promise you, I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. He said, I praise you because I can see you maybe. You were there in my mother's womb. Not me, you. He knows God created him. Wow. In the beginning, God, it says. The Bible starts there, right? Genesis 1, in the beginning, God. We've got to accept God as creator. That's what we've got to do, guys. It's got to be the first thing we do. If you want to know your purpose, you have to accept God as your creator. Proverbs 19 says, many are the plans in a man's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails, not yours, his. So if you want to know your purpose, you got to go to God. God's got a purpose for you and he'll let you know. Solomon identified God as creator of purpose. Solomon wrote Proverbs. Solomon was really a wise dude probably the wisest king of ever. This guy amassed sir, tons of riches, wealth, he had lots of wives, that was not wise. Um, but the guy was extremely wise and he wrote that recognizing that God in fact is the creator. God created us for a purpose and that purpose was for him. Solomon knew that. I remember at a very young age growing up, my dad left at a young age, my mom would always say to me, if you want security, you need to earn your way into it. The more money you make, the more secure you'll be. That mantra's never left my mom's mouth. And so what do you think I've done most of my life? Chase money. You go follow in the wake of my life and you'll see a wake of a guy chasing money. That's what I did because mom said that's what I should do. I got my purpose from my mom, not my God. So how about you? What have you been using as your source of information about your true purpose? Whom from your past has defined what you should be doing with your life? In Genesis 1 and 2, God created man and he created woman. And he said, multiply and take dominion. And then we read in Genesis 3, love this part. 
it says God was walking in the cool of the garden with the man. When you put those two together, God created man and a woman, and he said, multiply and take dominion. He said, fill the earth, take dominion, multiply. And then you go on and read in chapter three that he's walking in the cool of the garden with, with God, man is. And you're thinking, that's interesting. So what was he trying to get across as the primary person? He said he put him in the garden to work the garden because there was no crops to grow. So you're like, oh, well, it's obvious. We're supposed to be farmers. So a few farmers, well done. You guys followed the playbook well. I think it's more important to think about it more broadly. What God was saying to man is, I put you in a garden with me. And where I am with you, I call that a sanctuary. When you're with me in a place like that, that's a sanctuary. And what I'm asking you to do is take that sanctuary and spread it across the whole globe. That's why I want you to multiply, take dominion, and fill the earth. Because I want you to take what we have here and place it over the whole world. So your purpose is to take the garden, the sanctuary, and make the whole earth my sanctuary, where man and all of man worships me. Sounds somewhat familiar, doesn't it? The prophet Isaiah said, the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord. It's a global garden, a sanctuary where everybody's together, man and God living together. What's the end of the book say? Revelation 21. What does it look like? Heaven's brought back to earth and all of the earth becomes God's sanctuary. So he's with man. So what we saw in the beginning is exactly what he intended at the end, isn't it? So wouldn't that be congruent that that would be our primary purpose? Is that our job as men is to lead the gardening of the planet where we make the planet God's sanctuary. And our marriages and our children and the work we do are all geared around transforming the planet into God's sanctuary where he's in communion and community with God and we're in community with each other. What's my primary purpose? God, I'm here to help make this planet your sanctuary where you and I are in communion together. That is our primary purpose. I think that's pretty powerful. So men leave the garden and what do we see them doing? You watch Nimrod, he goes and builds a city and God's like, oh boy, here we go. So when somebody calls you a Nimrod, there's a reason, because what he did was really stupid, right? He left the garden and built a city and he didn't wanna be with God, he wanted to be God. He said, let's build something so we can make a name for ourselves. That's what he did. And that's when you move to place of destruction. So guys, when you go somewhere and you move without God and you start to build without God, what you're actually doing is destructive. So you have to ask yourself, what does that look like for you? Where have you moved without God? And how much damage have you done in those places? Men that build, that bring life, that follow the pattern, that say, no, I'm here to do what God called me to do. They go to those places and they bring life to those places because they bring God to those places with them. That's the difference. Guys that get the mission, wherever they go, they bring God with them. He comes with them because he's in communion with them. It's the sanctuary. It's supposed to go with me, me with him. I'm supposed to take wherever I am, whatever place I'm in, and make that a place where God has dominion and I help him rule in that place. It's a sanctuary for God, wherever you are. 
Men building with God bring life. Men building with God bring life wherever they go. Our company started with two people. And what we decided early on was wherever we would build, we would pray over it and dedicate it to God. Whenever we would build a building or a line, we would pray over it and, build, and dedicate it to God. We would add chaplains. There's prayer and Bible study in every location. Wherever we go, God goes with us. We never leave him out. Jesus is our MVP at Packmore. The Holy Spirit is the X factor. He's the wild man. He's turned loose in any place he wants to go. And what happened? We went from two people to 400 people. We went from one plant to three plants. And it's not because I'm smart. It's because wherever men of God go and they bring God, he grows gardens. He multiplies. He creates life. He creates ingenuity and newness and changes things. He takes something that's broken and makes it good. He transforms things in ways you can't do. That's what he does, guys. How have you seen God transform the places where you have brought him with you? How have you seen that happen? Marriage and family is referenced in Genesis 2. It's an incredibly important part of this whole topic. Marriage and family builds civil society, you guys. This is the foundation. It's the first thing God describes, man and a woman. The two become one. This is the foundation. It's the first block on the ground. And then he builds on top of that. So this is his model for civil society. A man and a woman, the two become one. This is his model. This is the picture. This is what he wants us to replicate. Why is that so critical? Because he's trying to tell you that the way that you do this garden thing, the way that the garden gets built, the way that the world gets transformed is through relationships. It's through relationships. It's between a person and a person. And the first one that's important is a man and a woman. They have to become one. And how do they do that? They have to follow God's laws to become one. They've got to be in communion with the Father. They gotta know his rules in order for that to work. This is the design. This is critical because relationships become the foundation of the transfer of the information for society to change to be like what God had it. Information flows through relationships. This is the point, and it's critical. It's critical. Healthy marriage brings trust. How? A child watches his dad love his mom well. He's not beating her up, he's not yelling at her, he's not critical to her, he doesn't oppress her. He loves her well. Child sees that and goes, I can trust my dad. Mom and dad worship God correctly. They don't use their Bible as a weapon. They don't beat their children with the rules of the Bible. They embrace them and love them through the scriptures. They love God's word is good. When they study the Bible together, it's fun. When they go to church, it's fun. They love being together. When they're in the presence of God, it's a good thing. Mother and father working well together. Children see them love God well. What happens to the kids? They trust God. Marriage becomes the platform for where they trust God. I trust mom and dad, mom and dad trust God, I trust God, that's how it works. That's the pattern, that's the pattern. And from that pattern, we take dominion over the earth. This is critical, this is what he's saying. That's the pattern, that's what I want you to do. You have to do that right. You get that right, we take dominion and the world sees God and it becomes a sanctuary. We do that wrong and it all breaks down. This is critical. Rules without relationship 
creates rebellion. So for years, men have been taught that you use the Bible and the words of God and you drill it and you beat it and you discipline and you run it like the army. There's a risk to that, you guys, and it's big. Because once you use the the weapon of the Bible like that, your kids will learn to hate the Bible and hate the word and they'll hate you. We don't do that. That's not what God's word is meant for. It's supposed to be good, right? So rules are critical, but they're not used as a weapon. They're used as boundaries to help build healthy relationships in the family and to teach kids about God. And working together is critical. It's the focal point of healthy relationships. Children need to see healthy relationships in the home so that they can have a healthy relationship with God. That's how it works. When their relationship is healthy with you, they have a healthy relationship with Jesus. When relationships are broken in your life, your relationships with God get broken. What purpose are you raising your children? For what purpose are you raising your children? Is it to expand the garden? What is it? Or are they great athletes, great musicians? They're gonna get a college education. They're gonna pay for your retirement. Like, what is it? What are you doing with your kids? How would you describe your relationship building skills and those skills of your children? Do you help your kids learn how to build relationships with people? Because relationships are how Jesus is transferred. That's how it happens. Are you teaching them those skills or are they just watching conflict in the home? How are you doing it building relational skills with your children? Let me switch gears and talk about roles. Roles are different than purposes. And this is the place where most of us men really struggle. We have a really difficult time with this. What's a role? What's a purpose? Our purpose is to expand the garden, the sanctuary of God all over the planet and bring as many people as we can into community with God. That's our purpose. It's clear. That's our mandate. But we get hung up in our roles, childhood roles, adult roles, grandparent roles, worker roles, boss roles, owner roles, working at the church, working at the door, Bible study. We're in all of these roles. We, we have all of these roles we play and they change over time. They constantly change and for men, Roles change in this culture dramatically right now, and they're shifting under our feet dramatically, guys. And so if you're dependent on your roles, you're gonna lose sight of your purpose, and you're gonna feel lost. So you have to cling to your purpose and not be so concerned about your role that you're in right now. Culture is changing. Think about this one. Men used to be considered the sole provider. Now, women are getting better educated than men, which means they're getting better jobs than men and making more money than men. And that's the data right now, guys, and it's increasing dramatically. So men are actually falling behind women in terms of providing, and so now you're seeing the roles change. Women are becoming the providers and men aren't. So now what happens to men's sense of purpose? Who am I? You get lost, I don't know who I am. And it's because you've wrapped up your purpose in being a provider. And some people will take this text of the Bible and really hammer us as providers. I think that's a big risk. I think the bigger issue is my purpose is to expand the garden so that all people know God and they come into the sanctuary of God. That's my purpose, not provider. We work together for provision. Whoever is called to provide is the role they play. It may be mine, it may not be mine. You can't get hung up on the roles. Roles are tricky. Men who define their roles as their purpose will get confused when it changes. 
Our purpose doesn't depend on our age, our marital status, or our work. We've got to embrace God's purpose. And when we do, guys, when we do, when you really wrap your head around what you do as a guy that expands the garden, you will start getting creative and innovative and more loving, and you will lead differently. I'm telling you, you will. So what role right now is defining your purpose? And I know this, guys, you're young fathers. All you do is wipe diapers and, you know, kids are barfing all over and there's sickness and it's screaming, it's just chaos, you know, and you're like, your only purpose is survival at sometimes, right? You're like, this is insanity. And you think your only purpose is to raise kids. It is not your purpose. It's the role you're playing right now and your job is to teach them relationships and how those relationships help them spread the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. That's what your role, that's your job but it gets hung up in the day-to-day. You have to overcome that. Most men view work as their purpose and yet never find fulfillment. They just don't, right? We see work as our primary purpose and we get lost. We get overwhelmed by pressures. The work pressures are overwhelming and we never live out that garden mandate, do we? The garden mandate just sort of falls behind because work overtakes us and we believe that is truly our purpose. But remember this, work was good before the fall. It was. Work was good before the fall. How do we know? Because God worked for six days and everything he made, he said, was good. Everything was good. And when God was telling him, we need to take a day off, it's because Adam didn't want to stop working because it was so stinking good. Like, work was good. He's like, man, you got to take a day off. Take a day off, dude. Stop working. Work was good, you guys. There was a time when work was good. God worked for six days and said it was good. And then he said, we're gonna rest on the seventh day. You know what we've done with the seventh day? We've said that's the day we worship. God said that's the day we rest. And there's a big difference. I would say, I would contend that this scripture makes it crystal clear that the six days of work are the days you're supposed to worship. Your work is your worship. That is your worship. That's when you worship, because you're working. And working was how Adam worshiped with God. He's working in the garden, that was the time. That's when they fellowship. Don't you love banging on roofs with other guys? It's cool, isn't it? Like the best time with Christian guys is when you're working together, isn't it? It's terrible when you sit across a circle in a room and answer Bible questions. It's great when you're out in the field digging a shovel, right? I mean, Burke came over with his kid the other day and we spread, we spread mulch in Kyle's yard and we thought it was a blast. We had an ax and we're hacking away at this stump, you know, we're all swinging at it and we never made any progress, but God, it was fun. I mean, that was a ball. You know, Burke, Burke, where are you? Burke said to me, Bill, when you go after that stump again, we're coming back. Like, you gotta call us. Like, you cannot go after that stump again without me. I'm telling you guys, that's what was it was supposed to look like. That was it. And so what happened to us? We defined work as bad. So we go to work with this desire to get to Saturday as fast as we can. I gotta get out of here. I hate this stuff. And God's like, no, 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 no. You got it wrong. Work is good. I gave you work. Go there with a spirit of joy and thankfulness and gratefulness and excitement to be there. And who's there? 80% of the people there don't know Jesus. It's a fertile garden. Pull the rocks out, get the stones out, clear the dirt, plow up the ground and bring Jesus because guess what's going to happen? Stuff's going to grow. 
He grows stuff there. That's what he does. He just wants you to get to work in the stinking dirt, right? And you're like, I hate the dirt. He's like, come on, man, we love dirt. We're stinking farmers, man. Six days of work as worship. Work as worship, 1 Corinthians says. So whatever you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. So how does your view of work show up in how you work? How does it show up? How do people see you at work? What's your behavior like at work? Ask yourself, is it worship for you? Tomorrow, go there with a sense of joy and knowing he put me here. This is my garden. Thank you, dude. Come on, man. Here we go, man. And you go in there and you work with excellence. You give it all you got because, man, when you start digging in that field, you're going to change stuff. Life's going to come out of there. Good things are going to happen. Change will come about. And you bring Jesus with you. And I don't care where you are. Our Constitution the Civil Rights Act and the Religious Restoration Act all provide for freedom of expression of religion in this country still. Talk. Stop being chickens. Speak about Jesus. Bring him to work. It's time, guys. Another hindrance we have with our purpose is acting like boys instead of living like men. Boys play all the time. They care about only themselves. They consume instead of produce they use church for their own recognition and they're not responsible for much. That's a boy. A man works. He produces. He focuses on others. He submits to serve his church. He stewards possessions. He was responsible for a lot of stuff and he creates more than he consumes. That's a man. You know what? Old men act like boys too, so this has nothing to do with age. Men are boys who know their purpose. So which role have you assumed today, that of a boy or that of a man? How do you know when you're living out your purpose? I'm gonna say one word, respect, respect. God put this deep desire in men's hearts called respect. We have it, guys. It's a need, it's emotional for us. We need to be respected. It's, 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 it's unique to us. It's in there, we all have it. It's how we know we're living out our purpose. When we feel respect, we know we're living out our purpose. There's some, can't, there's some false ones though, guys. There's some false things. Fear is one of them. I used it a lot. This is easy to do when you're the boss. Fear. You make people afraid of you and it looks like they respect you. We do this a lot, guys. This is the most common one for men. You mistake the respect, but when you dig, it's only fear. You created fear in the people. You've created fear in your wife and your kids and your neighbors. They're afraid of you. If you wanna know if people are afraid of you, you've gotta humble yourself and go stand in front of them and say, hey, honestly, I wanna know. Do you respect me or are you afraid of me? And you might be shocked to find how many times people would say they're afraid of you. I have been. The other thing that's a mistake that we make, it's a, it's a false hope of respect comes from accomplishments. Accomplishments. This world loves people that accomplish stuff, don't they? Man, do we love our athletes. Man, we love our musicians and our 
actors and actresses and our rich guys, man, we just, man, we like fawn over these guys, even as Christians, every bit as much as Christians. And we got our rock star Christian pastors, right? Like we, we just love accomplishment, but it's a false sense of respect because when all of the stuff you do that you're good at ends, all of that admiration goes away. Respect is not like that. It's a false sense of respect, you guys. We've got to learn how to find another way to create respect, and I'll tell you what that is, but I want to give you one more that's a false sense of respect, and this one's going to be hard to hear. There's an early bond we form with children that's misleading. When our kids are born, it's unbelievably powerful. It's a powerful connection, man. It's overwhelming emotionally, and you feel incredibly connected to them, and it's real. But that connection emotionally over time makes you think they respect you. And what happens is men ride that wave so long that they don't do what they should be doing as Christian men to raise their kids properly. They don't understand their purpose and so they exercise their fatherhood incorrectly and their kids ultimately don't respect them at all. They've weaponized the Bible, they've used it as rules, they've beat it into the kids, command and control style of leadership and their kids have no respect to them. And when that child comes of age, when they can be independent emotionally, what do they do? All of that respect you thought you had from them when they were little goes away because they realize dad's a facade. He's just full of fear and accomplishments and I don't respect that. And you know what else they walk away from? Jesus, because you didn't lead them anywhere near there. You use fear and accomplishments to make them respect you and it doesn't work. We've got to teach our children the way Jesus said to do it. Respect comes from the Holy Spirit pouring out of you, the fruits of the Spirit pouring out of you, coming out of you day in and day out. Gentleness, kindness, love, self-control, right? All of those fruits coming out of it, they see it day after day after day. And they see you modeling Jesus day after day after day. That's what happens and it takes time and it takes years and years of that person in you that looks like Jesus coming into their life. And one day they turn around and say, wow, you've made such an investment in my love for Jesus. I actually love him and I know him and you've helped me get there. And then you watch your children start to do the things that the purpose we talked about calls for. You watch your kids start to create gardens and grow people and heal and bring life to places that are dead. And then you know they got it. And you know what you feel? Their respect. Respect comes from one place, spiritual leadership. If you wanna feel respected, gentlemen, you have to be a spiritual leader and you have to do it God's way. Happiness is not attained in self-gratification, but through fidelity to a worthy cause. Helen Keller. Guys, Jesus is that cause. So my question is, how are you trying to gain the respect of the people around you? God helped me find my purpose in this last couple of years, you guys. I was so lost. My job had changed. My kids have grown up. My retirement is imminent. I feel empty and lost. Like I'm looking at the barrel of my life and going, God, what, what am I supposed to be doing? And God met me there. He 
He brought me to a class here called Prime Movers, where I studied a book by Chick Fingram called Holy Ambition. And it was the story of Nehemiah. And I'll tell you, the way Chip talks about how that event in Israel affected Nehemiah, when he found out his family's wall, their land in Jerusalem was decaying and falling apart, his family was gonna be under attack, they were gonna lose what they had, they were gonna die. He wept for days. He wept for days. And it struck me to say, what makes me weep, God? Like, what do I cry over? And I can tell you clearly what I weep over because I've been doing it for 32 years. I weep when one of you guys comes to me and says, my dad left when I was a little boy. I've never felt more lonely in my life. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I'm addicted to pornography. I can't find my way. I'm lost. I can't, I, I don't know what my life's supposed to be, man. I'm lost. That makes me cry because that was me. I was that young boy, lost without a dad. And I never want one of you guys to feel that pain like I had to feel. It was awful, you guys. So I weep over that. And God said, that's the guy I need. I will use that. When you weep over that, I do too, Bill. And so let's work together. And now I will help you see the purpose you've always had. I've been in men's ministry for 32 years, you guys, but I never knew it was my purpose. I just did it because that was where all the good dudes were. You guys are all good dudes. You got to know that, right? Like, it's awesome working with guys like you guys. So I wanted to hang around with the dudes, right? That's what I wanted. I didn't realize that God said, no, 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 no. That's your purpose. Those are the guys. So he stripped away the money. He stripped away the work. He stripped away my kids. And he said, what's left, Bill? Your purpose is those men. You guys are my purpose. I find meaning working here every week. It makes me cry every day that I get to serve you out of joy. I'm so happy to be with you. And I'm so grateful. God's given me a garden where I get to work with my sons in this garden and with God to serve you men. So what does God need to do in your life right now to help you embrace your true purpose? Let's close with prayer. Heavenly Father, we love you and we praise you and we thank you. We love this work, Lord. We love these men and we love you, Jesus. Father God, give us a passion fire in us tomorrow morning to wake up to work in this garden and to give you six of our very best days. All we got, Lord, help us worship you well this week. Help us love you with all we have, Lord. Help us raise our kids for this purpose and none other. Help us not get distracted by our roles. Help us not get waylaid by our fear and our accomplishments, Lord. Guide us to you, Jesus. Strengthen us, empower us with your Holy Spirit. And Lord, help us bring more men back so we can reach as many men as we can here, Father. Bless these precious brothers. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Thank you, brothers. You guys have an awesome week, and we will be back here next Tuesday, all right? Have a great night. <laughs>